Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. Thanks for being with us here today on this Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Lockdown Blue Devils, of course, is your daily one-stop shop, giving you everything you need to know in the life of Duke Athletics. A major focus on the Duke men's basketball team, and that's going to be where we start today with a new friend of the program, Russell Hainline, at Duke Better on Twitter, joins us here on the show. Excited to get his thoughts on this eight-game winning streak for Duke basketball. We'll talk about a big recruit coming on campus and so much more. Do us a favor, if you have not done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever it is that you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and written review. The algorithms absolutely love those written reviews, so take the time to do that for us. Watch the show each and every day on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, like this video, and share it with your friends. So thrilled to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So without further ado, let's bring them on in. What a moment. Russell Hainline at Duke Better is here with us. Russ, thank you for being here, man. Man, you've got the funkiest theme song in the game. Man, I was jamming out over here. That was great. Oh, we're excited to uh, have you on the show, man. Uh, as I've told you, I've been following the work for quite some time. Uh, some of your buddies on the Crazy Cast podcast have been on this show before, and uh, you've got this big uh, Twitter following that you've kind of established over the years. For people that have no idea who you are, this Twitter account, at Duke Better, kind of, how did this come to be, man? I went to Duke. Uh, I grew up a Duke fan and was fortunate enough to get to go there. Uh, and I've, I've watched every Duke game for way too long, longer than I'd care to admit in podcast form. And uh, I found that, you know, when tweeting from my personal account or whatever, that not everybody's a Duke fan. So I decided to make a Duke only account to post my uh, stupid memes and passing thoughts and people seem to respond to it. And then we uh, got in touch with Zion and Ryan, uh, Duke NBA and the Duke Nation on Twitter. Uh, we've got our show, The Crazy Cast on the Field of 68 Network, and it's been going really great. I'm having a ball. And here we are talking about a Duke basketball team that's in the heart of the ACC schedule at this point. And you guys have been able to do uh, so many recap shows throughout the season. You just did an episode this week with off-season grades for every single player. I've always viewed myself as the optimist of the group. And you were certainly in that boat as well when we were listening <laughs> to you this week, Russell, uh, with the positive grades that you were giving for the guys. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that uh, preseason expectations need to be divorced from like the reality of our situation uh, in a big way. And in particular, I, I was the guy who gave Kyle Filipowski a midseason grade of an A. And a lot of people, I, I think, had their feathers a little ruffled by that. But when you look, he's Ken Palm's number two uh, national player of the year. He's a first-team All-American, uh, you know, at bare minimum in consideration for that. You can make an argument for him to being one of, like, the two to four best players in the country right now. Uh, certainly, he's on an absolute tear at present. So, I I I've got no complaints. I mean, I I you can nitpick guys, but, like, 
Also, you can nitpick your own guys forever, right? <laughs> I'm sure Purdue can nitpick Zach Eady plays, and UConn can uh, nitpick, you know, the occasional play from Tristan Newton and Donovan Klingon. We can nitpick our stars. It's the privilege of rooting for a really great team. But yeah, I was the I was the nice teacher, I guess. On the, I was the cool guy on the cast. Why not? Yeah, make sure you go check that out because it was a lot of fun to listen to, and each player got a grade, talked about the team performance as well, uh, carve out about two hours and and listen to what those guys had to say. Really good stuff there, and uh, that's what we've been talking about throughout this week is kind of where this Duke team is at right now, riding the eight-game winning streak because here we are the only week in the regular season where there is not a midweek game for Duke basketball in some ways this comes at a really good time. We mentioned Brendan Marks of The Athletic being on the show just yesterday here and talking about kind of the injury concerns for Mark Mitchell and Jeremy Roach right now. Uh, and so it's a good time for us to kind of have these conversations as to what's been taking place because uh, don't get too used to this. We'll be back to two games a week uh, in no time. Yeah, it's it's hard to contextualize this streak and the UNC streak as well because the ACC has just been so bad. Uh, you know, like even when you go to Bart Torvik and you look at just the period of time starting with our win streak, uh, we're the fourth best offense, which makes sense, 35th best defense, and only the ninth best team in the country over that span, even though we're undefeated uh, during that stretch. Uh, you know, it's only one Q1 win, only two Q2 wins. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's a bad schedule situation. That said, uh, you know, we've also, I think we've covered six of the last eight, which is good. One of those games was against Baylor, neutral court, also good. And, you know, to your point, we've had some injury concerns in there. We had the Proctor injury. Uh, we certainly were mi missing Mark Mitchell uh, last game in a big way. So there is definitely still title contention upside here, even if – I don't know that the win streak has necessarily answered every question we have. It's certainly very nice to see, given that Duke historically has had some slip-ups in January in years past. What is the big question left in your mind with this team? Oh, man. Uh, is it? Uh, are we a title contender? Are we yeah. an actual title contender, or are we a team that's very good? Uh, I think everyone would agree that when everything is humming – we are a title contender. Can we do that consistently? Uh, we have had some issues with consistency. We've certainly had some issues in uh, looking ahead, uh, which we've had. Certainly the Southern Indiana game was a great example of that. I would argue even the Notre Dame game was an example of that. Uh, and we also just have some weird roster situations. I've talked about this on the crazy cast, but when Flip is off the floor, our team falls off a cliff. <laughs> we need him desperately on the floor for as many minutes as we can spare. Ryan Young has done a really nice job in allowing the team to tread water in minutes when Flip is off the court. Um, but I don't know that that's enough, especially over a large sample in a game. And additionally, Mark Mitchell. We don't have another guy of his size that the Shire clearly trusts. Uh, so, you know, we saw last year in the Tennessee game, the importance of Mark Mitchell, I would certainly argue in that Georgia tech game that we just played, that was way closer than it had any reason to be another great, uh, example of the importance of Mark Mitchell on this team, just because we do not have his combination of size and athleticism and strength and skill, uh, anywhere else on the roster in terms of going two ways, uh, on the court. 
So we need a lot from Mark and Flip going forward as well. Can Duke in the coming months find some other things for when they're not on the floor? Can we see if Sean Stewart gets into the rotation in any way? Can we see if TJ Power plays more meaningful minutes? Uh, If we're not going that route, then how do we navigate sort of the various four guard lineups? How do we... Who, who do we put on those guys that we will face in the tournament or elsewhere in the ACC that are 6'7", 6'8", if Mark Mitchell's not on the floor? Uh, those are questions that I have going forward. I think the depth of this team has been so fascinating to talk about. We spent a lot of time this offseason each and every day uh, talking about, look, this Duke team has so many players coming back. It's a freshman class that's so talented. In a lot of ways, you love the number of different options you have. And then we get into play this season, and that just – has not been the case whatsoever. It starts really early with the Jaden Shoot situation, and I've been the biggest Jaden Shoot defender uh, out there, I like to think, in so many ways. The Christian Reeves injury doesn't help, and then some of the freshmen not coming along as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't know what the numbers are today. I shared on a crazy cast episode about a week or two ago, I looked up what happens when Flip is off the court and Ryan Young is at the five or Sean Stewart is at the five or even the very few possessions where Mark Mitchell has been at the five. And uh, the numbers are pretty dire. I mean, they're, it, the on-off splits are stark. So that's a huge, huge impact. And then Mark Mitchell and Flip are both in terms of plus minus uh, sort of net rating on versus off. There are two most important players by the numbers so far this season. So, yeah, I, I'm a big Sean Stewart guy. I went into the season uh, as a huge Sean Stewart guy. I know he's a little raw, um, but I think in particular on defense, uh, he has shown some real nice flashes. He's shown some energy in terms of rebounding the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was, I was never somebody who believed we would get a lot of Christian Reeves minutes this year. I think he's still more of a long-term play. But Sean Stewart is a guy who I think for a team that needs size and versatility at that position seems to make a lot of sense. And then TJ Power obviously spaces the floor really nicely given his size, given uh, you know his skill level. But if the threes aren't falling, what is he bringing to the table defensively? He's a, he's a very true freshman defensively is the way that I'll phrase it, right? So I, I don't know what we do right now with those. Our guard depth, we're, we're overflowing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the front court options uh, that are a bit tricky right now. And it means, it means a lot of Ryan Young and probably asking Ryan Young to shoulder even more of a load than, than certainly fans expected, maybe even than Ryan expected. I don't know what the preseason expectations were behind closed doors, but he is being asked to do uh, a lot off the bench when Flip is resting or when Mark is resting and they go to the Flip Young 4-5 lineups, uh, which again, haven't been super effective this season analytically either. So um, uh, yeah, how how we've got a couple of matchups coming up, which maybe we'll talk about yep. uh, later, uh, where we're going to have some players that we need Mark Mitchell for and we need to flip out there for. So uh, if, even just five-minute spurts of a Sean Stewart type uh, would be great. Um, we've had Jalen Blakes defend the four sometimes, which is very interesting. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited to see what John comes up with. 
Yeah, it's a bit of a segue right there because we are going to be able to talk about the upcoming stretch of games for Duke. Eight wins in a row. How far can this thing go? That's what a lot of people want to know, and we'll have those conversations after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Go ahead and keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Lockdown Blue Devils here today also brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new hire is so important for your small business, and you want to make sure that you can make the best move to take your business to the next level in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team that you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires First leading competitors, LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Hiring is so easy when you have many quality candidates, so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, our process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's keep it moving here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. JJ Jackson alongside Russell Hainline at Duke Better on Twitter. So, Duke, uh, Russ, I mentioned a moment ago, we've got an upcoming stretch of games here for Duke. Starting with this Saturday, a home contest against Pittsburgh, Louisville on Tuesday, and then the following Saturday, Clemson. Five games from now, we have the first Duke and North Carolina meeting of the season. What do you make of this upcoming stretch of games? Yeah, I mean, I think that we should make it through to we should make it through the next two games. If yeah. we don't make it through the next two games, Duke is in a lot of trouble. Sure. <laughs> so Duke needs to make it through the next two games. Bring the winning streak to double digits. Yeah, absolutely. Then we get Clemson at home. Uh, there's some matchup considerations there. Uh, I've said in the past, I think our first loss uh, is probably going to be that Virginia Tech game at uh, Blacksburg. We've lost five of the last six at Blacksburg, and I think the seventh went to overtime, and that was the one in 2015, right? Like, that's a long stretch of not doing well, and they've played pretty well at home this year. So I think that one and, – and also it's in the worst possible spot, right? We've got UNC sure. the very next game, and as I said earlier, we tend to look ahead a little bit uh, in spots here. It's a Monday game coming off those those quick turnarounds for Duke. Yeah, I could see that. Brutal Castle spot. Coliseum has been off. <laughs> brutal brutal spot so yeah i mean uh but a lot of it depends too on our health right uh we need mark mitchell for these upcoming games we need jeremy roach 
in general. I mean, it's I I don't think we can talk about Duke without talking about the fact that he's having an all ACC type season. You know, maybe it might be hard to get to first team, but like second team, I got to think he's there. Massive improvements in his three-point percentage and free throw percentage. Massive improvement in assist-to-turnover ratio, even in defensive metrics. He's in net positive this year on defense, which is something that's been hard to make an argument for by the numbers in years past. So we need Roach out there for some of these games. If things get tight down the stretch in a close game, you need Jeremy Roach out there. So I'm interested in seeing their status. Pitt, you know, it's it's only Pitt's fourth true road game. They're first against the top 75 team. They've lost four of five. I said before the season, I kind of think Capel is done. I, I, I kind of think this is his last year there, that he's on his way out. I, I would also say, you know, Mark Mitchell having him back against Blake Henson, you'd think that would be a necessity. But Pitt's also not a team that tries to beat you inside, right? They try to shoot yeah. you out of games, 27th highest three-point attempt rate in the country, 327th highest in the country in terms of percentage of points coming from twos. So maybe Mark's not as important there. Weirdly, I think he's more important for Louisville which is not a game that should give us any problems whatsoever, but they've been pesky a couple of times at home against teams so far this year. And they've got some positional size, right? They've got 6'5", Mike James, 6'5", Curtis Williams, 6'7", Trey White, even 6'3", 205, Sky Clark. They got Brendan Huntley Hatfield inside. You know, that game at Pitt was Duke's uh, first time covering the spread on the road as well in a true road game. Um, and we play Clemson after Louisville. Again, maybe it's a spot where Duke could end up looking ahead. I think most teams look ahead of Louisville right now. I think it's uh, sort of fighting against your human nature there. So um, we need to win that game decisively, and I and I do think that having Mark Mitchell out there would just help everybody play up the lineup a little bit more. We'd have to worry a bit less about size and getting bullied Louisville definitely not like a shooting team very much so uh I'd really like him back out there and then when you get to the Clemson game you have to keep them off the glass and out of the paint having Mark Mitchell there would be absolutely massive given uh the strength of their play at the four uh we know they can make threes but they've only hit under 32 percent in the last month they're not shooting them at an especially high rate they want to win inside so flip has to stay on the court at all times. Yeah. This is like a classic. If you need a 40 minute game from flip somewhere this season, like it's that one. I, I don't think Ryan Young has more than, you know, a minute here, a minute there for PJ Hall. I think PJ Hall would have a field day against somebody like uh, Ryan Young, who does not defend a pick and pop bigs like that. So uh, yeah, need Mark Mitchell healthy there, need flip on the court. And if we have that, I think we can win those three, especially given that Clemson has not been very good. But that Virginia Tech game, that's gonna be that's gonna be a big stretch. I'll tell you what, if we make it to the UNC game without having lost, I will be blown away. I will be really, really impressed. Yeah. And then just imagine the stakes of that UNC game, another road game coming up for the Duke team. I, I think you look back at uh, the pit game and you mentioned first time this season that Duke had been able to cover uh, the shooting splits. Shooting's been such a big thing for Duke this season. Going into that pit game in particular, somebody like Jared McCain, who's been a marksman for this team, was three of 19 in games not played at Cameron and mm. three-point attempts from the outside. So uh, something that Kyle Filipowski's shooting splits numbers were sure. not there. And I, I really just, you know, you talk about what the Duke team can do. We clearly know, holy cow, their numbers are astronomical at home, and rightfully so. Uh, but want to see those numbers away from Cameron Indoor continue to be on the upward direction. 
Yeah, and some of that is part and parcel with the spots that we've played away from home, certainly. Sure. Uh, I mean, Arkansas is insanely hostile. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though they're not very good right now, they are a hard place to play. Georgia Tech, first ACC game, coming off a loss, reeling a bit. I don't think that we had really made many adjustments after the Arkansas loss, so we kind of just lost the exact same way that we lost against Arkansas. And it was a, you know, a... a, a look to God for clarity moment. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm trying to hold out confidence that those road woes are not going to continue. Certainly we beat Baylor neutral, Michigan state neutral. Uh, so there are reasons to be optimistic. Um, it's really just not looking ahead, which is going to be really, really hard in an ACC that is beyond the top three or four teams, just bad. So, (laughs) And it's the fan perspective. It's what we do. It's why we're having these conversations day in and day out as we like the excitement of kind of looking ahead and thinking what this Duke team can be in particular. Uh, To Jared McCain and what he's been able to do this season, we we talk about uh, his stretch from the first Georgia Tech game to the one we just saw this past weekend. He had made at least two three-point shots. uh, And really, as he improved throughout the season, I think Duke took off as well. I think you were kind of saying similar things earlier this week on that crazy cast midseason grade up uh, episode. I've been a big fan of what McCain's been doing as of late. Yeah, uh, still working out the kinks in conference play. I mean, obviously only shooting 31% in conference play, 42% on the whole from three um, this season, but that's a pretty big drop off. But we see that from everybody. I mean, yeah. people don't remember, like, Tyus Jones had struggles, you know, in January in conference play. Uh, again, it's human nature for freshmen to to hit some walls. Uh, as long as Jeremy Roach keeps making threes, Proctor stepped up and made some big threes last game. You know, as long as we've still got some spacing on the floor and, like, one of our freshmen, you know, uh, can lend a hand in that respect – then we should be fine. Um, I think we can be okay even with an all right game from McCain um, in most of these games in the ACC where we're playing teams that aren't very good. As long as our returning players flip, Mark, Jeremy, Proctor, as long as they do what we expect them to do. I want to see McCain shooting continue at this pace. Really fun to, to kind of look at those freshman records that he's currently chasing third all time in percentage. Uh, right now as a freshman, only behind A.J. Griffin and uh, Daniel Ewing back in the mid-2000s. So uh, a big fan of what he's doing, man, out there shooting the basketball for sure. Yeah, I'd like to see, and this is a point that Zion's brought up on the Crazy Cast, I'd like to see more actions that are run to get him uh, uh, an off-the-catch three-point opportunity. I, I think too often it's kind of a uh, we kick it out to him and he's got to – and we ask him, all right, go get a shot. Go do something, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, go do something with the ball. That's not winning offense, generally speaking, especially with freshmen, even some of the most talented freshmen in the country. Uh, you know, But when we do have you know pin downs or he's running off screens – or uh, the kickouts from offensive rebounds to him, and he can just shoot off the catch. It makes his life a lot easier. It makes the offense move a lot more cleanly. Uh, And in the games, unsurprisingly, there's a clear correlation between games where our assist rate is really high and games where the offense really, really hums. So the more that we can see the offense doing that, uh, the more that'll help, and it'll certainly help the freshmen. How does Duke get the most out of Tyrese Proctor? 
I mean, I think we're getting a lot out of him. I was <laughs> I was defending him on our show as well. I think people just see that he's only scoring like 10 points a game and they expected maybe 14, 15. Sure. And they're, not, and they're not that excited about that. You know, they got really jazzed about some of the plays he made in that Tennessee game at the end of the year last year. They're like, oh, he's going to do that against everybody nonstop this season. He doesn't need to. It's and being not, labeled a projected lottery pick going into the season certainly doesn't help when you're looking at the hype and what you're expecting going into the year. It didn't, but also even he could he could I mean he could still be a lottery pick. Absolutely. At the end of the day. Uh you know, his assist to turnover ratio is still really good. Um he's the best player on the team in terms of passing the ball. He's the best passer, maybe him or flip uh would be the best passers on the team. And in terms of like running the offense from the top of the key, creating for others. I mean, we saw that big Mark Mitchell game. Three or four of those were just sweet, sweet Tyrese Proctor dishes. Um, You know, he's really good at getting other players going, which you really need. And then defense. I think his defense has been sapped a little bit by that injury uh, in these last few games. He hasn't been quite as like noticeably, oh, my God, nobody can get past him. Uh, but as he sort of plays his way through the pain and manages, uh, I would hope that that, you know, sort of comes back again. He was one of the peskiest defenders in the ACC last season. And I certainly would expect that to continue to some extent this season, um, especially when the ACC is bad. So, uh, I think Proctor is fine. I'd like, you know, the three point shooting to still, keep coming along um i don't remember what he's at right now he's at thir- like 35 percent and again about 35 percent in acc play uh if we can get that to 37 38 percent then we're in really good shape but like he's got a 119.90 rating and when you consider the amount of points that he's creating with his assists and with hockey assists as well yeah I- I just I still think he's great and the team is better when he is on the floor. No doubt about that. Excited to see what he can do in the games to come and how it all comes together for the Duke basketball team. Uh, let's get set to take one more break here on the show. We've got a big visitor that's set to be on campus this weekend for Duke basketball and then scholarship week here on the network. What does that look like for next year? We're going to talk about that and we'll do that <laughs> after our next time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. All right, Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. This, of course, is America's number one sports book. Are you ready? The divisional round of the NFL playoffs is this weekend. Fired up. How are the Baltimore Ravens and San Francisco 49ers going to come out after a week off? Double-digit lines that we're seeing in a couple of these games across the league. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. This app is so easy to use, and there are just so many different ways to bet, like live, same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore Hub, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and so much more. It's the best way to find popular parlays. So go ahead and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup as FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the LockedOn Podcast Network. All right, let's move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Once again, JJ Jackson alongside my pal Russell Hainline at Duke Better. Check out Crazy Cast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. 
Uh, yeah, give us a plug for the show. We've been talking a little bit about it, but how frequently are you guys doing this thing? Where can people find it? All that stuff, if you will, Russ. Yeah, so the Crazy Cast, C-R-A-Z-I-E Cast, it's on the Field of 68 Podcast Network. Uh, you can find it at Crazy Cast on Twitter. Certainly, if you follow uh, me or my co-hosts on Twitter, Duke MBA and the Duke Nation, uh, then you can find out things there. We tend to stream after big games. Uh, we go live right after the game, so you can get in there. You can you can vent right, uh, or awesome. you can sing praises. You know, a lot of overreactions either way. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and we've just started doing some audio only episodes as well. Uh, now that we saw that like the ACC might not have an abundance of big, interesting games, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we want to make sure we're still recording with some regularity. So, uh, you know, you follow us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review there, Spotify, right? Uh, we're the crazy cast everywhere. And uh, again, Field of 68. You know, they're the network that we're doing things from. And we would love to be the most popular uh, Blue Blood uh, podcast on the Field of 68 podcast network, you know. So keep downloading, keep uh, subscribing, keep listening, uh, leaving feedback, and keep telling Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman that they're fools and that we reign supreme. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to continue to uh, endorse the show Love what you guys are doing there, so go check Dang. it out. All right, so uh, this weekend we've got a visitor coming to campus that's been uh, kind of on the uh, the upward trajectory in terms of recruiting circles and uh, a lot more momentum these days. We, of course, are talking about Common Malawich. There is a G League Showcase interview that he did where the first question asked to him was the pronunciation of his name, and yet I'm still butchering it, I'm sure. Uh, but he's set to be there this weekend. Uh, obviously, this would be a massive front court addition because that's been one of the things that we've been talking about this season going into the year, and then throughout the season we've been talking about kind of the lack of a massive interior presence, Russ. Sure. I mean, uh, he would help. I mean, it'd be very nice to have Cooper flag playing, you know, some weak side protection, you know, a lot more sort of hunting and roaming uh, as we saw in the game against prolific prep the other night. Uh, one of the best things that he does out there when there's a real big man is he's disruptive um, weak side blocks, certainly steals. He's an absolute nuisance in the passing lanes. So uh, he'd be a, um, Massive, massive uh, addition uh, to our defense, Cooper Flag. Then when it comes to adding a freshman big man, uh, my understanding is that he is incredibly talented, but also a little raw. Uh, I don't know what that means in terms of, like, I think Duke fans want him to be like a 35-minute-a-game big or whatever. And just historically speaking, we don't play our big men as <laughs> freshmen, you know, all, look back through the history outside of like Okafer and like Wendell Carter. I mean, th there are a couple of exceptions in there, but for all of those, you have your Chase Jeters, your Marquise Boldens, uh, you have guys that even Zubek who became an absolute legend, right? Just takes a little bit of time. Uh, and so I don't know what that means in terms of, both how many minutes he would play next year uh, versus fan expectation, obviously. Uh, we've obviously got Big Pat also, but he is hurt this year. Again, not sure minutes-wise what that means entirely. I, I feel this sneaking suspicion that regardless of what happens, whether we make an addition on the freshman side of things, 
I feel like Duke would still kick the tires with the transfer portal for big men. Uh, it would just, you know, if we add in the freshman market, then maybe that means we're looking for somebody that's more of a spot filler, uh, a bench big rather than a starting big. But also if we miss, then we can find a starting big man in the portal. I, I feel very confident about that. I know it didn't work out this year, but it was kind of due to circumstances beyond our control. So, uh, you know, I, I think it'll work out just fine. Uh, and whether we add him or not, it would be very, very cool to add him. If we don't add him, we can find somebody who probably, frankly, might be a bit more suited to next year's roster anyway. Next year's roster is going to be so young. Yeah. So adding somebody from the portal who's a junior or a senior might might just be of value regardless in terms of having more adults in the room. So Common Malawich set to be on campus this weekend again, seven foot two Sudanese player uh, who's been working in the NBA Africa Academy. We know Proctor had some NBA Academy experience as well. The professional option is still a route, but he has reclassified to the class of 2024. And so with it being scholarship week here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we take a look at kind of what the next couple of years look like for the Duke basketball team in particular. This isn't even factoring in departures that would need to take place for next year when you're <laughs> allotted your 13 scholarships. And, of course, some of these things, if you're watching us on YouTube here, a player like Jeremy Roach, who's got a COVID year of eligibility, not many people believe he's going to take that at a school like Duke. That's still an option, so uh, we put that up there for you. But taking a look at this, I mean, we did not have many departures from last year's program outside yeah. of guys either graduating or going to the NBA, but uh, it looks like we'll have a few this offseason, Russ. Yeah, let's start with uh, – let's let's just go down the line here a little bit, right? Let's look at 25. Uh, I think we can expect Flip to definitely be gone. I would be <laughs> stunned if Flip came – back we'll take yeah <laughs> so good uh hey maybe he wants to get that degree and he can clean up with nil if he Fair, wanted, yeah if he wanted to come back i would welcome him with open arms uh but i think he's probably gone i would expect at least one or two more departures to the pros be it jeremy roach be it tyrese proctor maybe even be it mark mitchell depending on how the rest of the season progresses it would certainly be very interesting if he came back in terms of fitting with the guys who are coming in how he fits i don't know if it's yeah. a perfect marriage of like skill and roster construction but he's also just so good at what he does that you find a way to make it work at the sure. end of the day um I also think we will almost certainly lose two to three players uh, in the transfer portal. I'd be stunned if we didn't. I know we didn't have any this year. Uh, that was magnificent. <laughs> I cannot see a world in which that does not happen this year. I would love to be wrong. I'd love for everybody to come back. Everyone knows I would love, love, love for every guy who loves Duke enough to commit to stay the whole time, but I also get the practical realities of it. I'd say, you know, Two being gone feels very likely. Th even three probably feels really likely. It just depends on whether we get to like four guys going, something right. like this. Um, so then that clears out a good like seven spots, right? I know we've got three over the limit right now. I don't think we need to be that concerned about the roster situation in terms of scholarships next year. Uh, even if we bring in another freshman, even if we add another transfer or two, 
I think we're going to be fine. Um, and then it just depends on things like Caleb Foster, Jared McCain, which I think are very interesting questions. Uh, I would love to have them both back. I think there's a very real world in which they are both back. Uh, if one is not back, we certainly would need to hit the transfer portal pretty hard. Um, I think the chances of returning two of Roach, Proctor, Foster, McCain are pretty high. And even if Jared McCain is projected as a first rounder, we talked about this on the last crazy cast, late first round guards don't get a second deal uh, very often in the NBA. That's like a real, that's like a real deal. Like they don't like getting that rookie, that full rookie extension, like just doesn't happen that much. uh, Especially if you're not somebody who's like a freak athlete, which McCain is not now McCain, could just be the next Steph Curry or whatever, <laughs> in which case I, I understand why a team would want to take a flyer on him. But also if he came back and he was actually going to be the next Steph Curry, then it's a really great opportunity for him to show that and to continue to make hand over fist money in NIL, which would probably be even bigger to some extent than, you know, if he slipped into the early second, right? Like he would almost certainly make more money with NIL next year than than in that situation, potentially. Um, So, yeah, I would love to see him back. I think there's a real chance that they would both come back. Uh, And then beyond that, right, like Cooper Flagg will be gone. (laughs) Again, I would love for him to be back. Um, He'll be gone. Uh, (laughs) I think all of those Mark Mitchell, Tyrese, once once they're like juniors, I, I think they would be gone for sure. Even if McCain came back the interesting thing about when you choose to come back from freshman to sophomore year is now unless you have a real strong inclination you could return for junior year graduate and leave with your degree right um so there there are interesting possibilities there i also think that that year of 25 26 i don't know how many huge difference making freshman one and done types we're going to bring in we're obviously in play with like the big names i don't necessarily know that we're like the favorite for the big names potentially Uh, i think there's a real world in which that is going to be constructed as a roster more around experience more around transfers uh returning talent um, so, you know, I think a lot of the players, people are concerned, well, what if Foster and McCain and Proctor or Roach, you know, come back Aren't there? Yeah. What, a, come what back. about these incoming guards? Would they decommit? I, I think there's such ripe opportunity in 25, 26, you know, for all of these guys who are coming in, uh, you know, same thing for, for big Pat, right? Like even if we brought in another freshman, big man and a transfer big, there's such ripe opportunity the the following season. Um, so you know whether team whether players want to bide their time uh, in a world where you know certainly you can get some great money elsewhere and some great opportunity elsewhere. I get it. I don't begrudge any player any decision that they make. But man, you could be one of the guys in 26 and maybe even 27, depending on how some of that recruiting shakes out. Uh, just a lot of opportunity for these young guys to to plant their flag. No pun intended. Yeah, so, no. Yeah. This is, and this is just an overview of guys that have committed to the program, right? And to your point, who knows yes. what the portal looks like. Uh, in 25, Duke has been really great 
under John Shire so far at get, getting an active start in those battles. They've already done that in some ways, just haven't quite got that first commit. But whether it be, I know DeBonsa's right there at the top of the class. You've got the Boozer twins as well. Like It won't be long, yeah. Russ, until we're knowing all these names uh, that are seriously considering joining the Brotherhood and then kind of what those scholarships would look like in the years to come. Yeah, I think there's a world in which we miss on on all those guys. I, I, I think that's there's a real possibility of that. It's not like the Cooper flag situation where like we felt very strong for a long time that he was coming. Uh, I don't know that I have that degree of confidence in either of those guys. A lot of things can change. We can sway minds. Yeah. Um, but I, I would love to see Duke sort of follow a model that we're sort of seeing with other teams like UNC to some extent, UConn, you know, a lot of the more successful teams where if you can have multi-year point guards and you can have multi-year big men and then wings that are freaks, <laughs> you know, or guys that are versatile, very athletic, um, you know, I think that, I think that asking a big man who is a one and done to come in and immediately be his best self, you have to be a generationally good uh, one and done big man type of dude. Same for point guards. Uh, it's really hard being a point guard uh, in <laughs> going from high school to college. Even Collier at USC uh, certainly was taking some lumps, even though he was playing rather well. Um, and he's like the guy in this class, right? So, I think that if we can have multi-year guys, your Fosters McCain's play multiple years, uh, certainly recruit guys like that who are sort of maybe not immediate one-and-done types, but two- to three-year types. Same for having, you know, uh, shooters on the roster that are the same way. Same for having at least one big man who who returns and does a full tenure at Duke. Uh, those are going to be just as important as those one-and-done types uh, and because I think the one and done types will be available to us. I think the big name transfers will be available to us. It's every, it's everything else. And it's that continuity. That's, that's what would be very interesting to see if John can actually do. And it's a great thing that he's the one paid to make those decisions. And you and I can just kind of sit here and, and spitball ideas and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. God, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't envy the, the position he's in, the choices that he has to make, even with this year's roster. But again, that's why he's paid significantly more than I am. So, Russ, this was an absolute blast. Enjoyed having you on the show for the first time. One more time, kind of tell people about your work, why they should follow you, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon, man. Sure. I'm at Duke Better on Twitter. Um, I'm part of the Crazy Cast on the Field of 68 podcast network with Zion at Duke MBA and Ryan at the Duke Nation. Uh, we do shows live after big games. We also do uh, some audio only. So follow us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. I'm also Russell H. Film on Twitter. I'm a screenwriter. Uh, so I write, I write movies. Awesome. So especially if you like Hallmark Christmas movies, I write those. <laughs> so, you know, uh, give me a follow there. And then on uh, Instagram and TikTok and stuff, uh, I'm a beer influencer. I love craft beer. So I'm the beer travel guide on TikTok. And I'm Russell H. Beer on Instagram. Uh, so if you love craft beer, you should follow me those places as well. I love it. Russ, thanks so much. We'll do this again soon, okay? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.
All right, that's Russell Hainline joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Go follow and support all of his work. That's going to do it for our show here today. Thank you for your support here with Locked On Blue Devils. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Do all that awesome stuff for us. That'll do it for our show. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. As always, go do. Thank you and good day.